So I'm coming home, I'm coming home. Tell the world I'm coming home. Woo! That is right. LeBron James and the Cleveland Cavaliers have done it. Overcome the odds. NBA champions. There you go, baby! And Woo! It's <laughs> finally uh, taking that championship trophy back to Cleveland. Congratulations to the city of Cleveland. Congratulations to LeBron James and the Cleveland Cavaliers. Big time. All sorts of reactions here. All, all sorts of crazy stats going on. Just to start with, though. Middle of the fourth quarter. Bobby and I are watching this game on my couch. Super intense game. It's game seven of the finals, and Raymer calls and is confirming that we're doing the podcast tonight. So this, right now, we're this is shortly after game seven. Raymer calls, and he's like, do you guys have uh, mock drafts ready? And Bobby's like, I do. I don't think Thomas does, though. And Raymer says, well, have him do one in the fourth <laughs> quarter. I'm just like, get out of here with that. No, no. Mock drafts in the fourth quarter of the NBA Finals Game 7. So I don't have mine, but uh, we'll be getting into that a little bit later. But we have all sorts of stuff to talk about with this series. Man, what an incredible game. Oh my gosh, dude. I could not believe how much emotion both teams played well. Uh, fought down to the core. It was just... I'm, I'm at a loss for words of what, what to think after that game. I look... I'm flabbergasted. I mean, One I, of the best basketball I, performances I've ever seen in my life. I just I feel like I just had a giant cup of coffee. And me personally being a LeBron fan and I guess a hater of the Warriors, this I was thinking about it shortly after the game, and this might go might be my favorite sports uh, moment. What's in contention is Funny enough, uh, LeBron losing to the Mavericks, because I used to hate LeBron. But I think this taste takes the cake because I was more so um, happiness of LeBron failing, had happiness of LeBron failing in that situation. So Thomas is on a big high here, maybe one of his favorite sports moments of all time of a lifelong sports fan. And he's sitting directly next to someone who might not be on as big of a high. Maybe one of his career lows as a sports fan. Raintown, let us into what you're going through right now. Well, damn it. Uh, so Tom is saying he feels like he just had a big cup of coffee or whatever he's saying. I feel like I just got kicked in the nuts. <laughs> but in all honesty, I mean, you got you to gotta be happy for LeBron James and Cleveland and what they've gone to gone through over the years. I believe it's over 52 years um, since their last title for the city of Cleveland, who has three professional sports franchises. But damn it, man. The Warriors should have had a 3-1 lead and be the first team in history to blow a 3-1 lead and just be the best team maybe. If we, we were talking earlier in this pod, podcast, early all year, really, everybody, are they the best team of all time? And then now they're, that's not even... Can't, a, can't say that anymore. You can't talk about that at all anymore. If you don't win a championship, you can't talk about it. So many things changed from when it was 3-1 to now. When it was 3-1, we were talking about blowing up the blueprint. No more Kyrie on this team. Maybe just get rid of Love. What's the point of even having them? You have Thompson out there. And now they came back. Kyrie was critical. Love made big plays in, um, throughout the game with some... Hard-fought offensive rebounding, 
I mean, just crazy. Stepped it, it up on the defensive yeah. end also. So I just got to say, I got to give a shot. Draymond Green, the most aforementioned Draymond Green, who's gotten so much hell all series, being suspended a game and all this. This would not even have been a really close game if it wasn't for Draymond Green. Draymond Green kept the Warriors in this game. He had 32 points, 15 rebounds, and 9 assists on 11 of 15 shooting. He was awesome, defensively, offensively, and everything. Before we get too far away from your emotional reaction to the game, because I just want to let the listeners in on a little secret, 10 seconds before we started recording this podcast, the words out of Raymtown's mouth were, I just want to get drunk. <laughs> I mean, but back, back to Draymond yeah, Green. Well, quickly, also, I, I'm sitting here all excited. Bobby is pretty excited as well. And Raymond's like, let's hold on, hold on. Let's just save the emotion for the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh dang. It's, it's game seven, the NBA Finals. You don't get moments like this. But I, truly, honestly, as a sports fan, I have to be really excited about that. This is um, appreciate it. And really live in the moment of that. This was an amazing sports moment for history. It was a great game throughout. Back and forth the entire game. The thing that really bugs me is, gosh damn, I've been this podcast. People know I'm biased as hell for the Warriors. I wanted Curry to play a good game so bad. Curry, yeah. just please have a good game. Biggest <laughs> game, biggest moment. LeBron comes through. Curry has a chance. Behind the back, pass out of bounds. Lazy. It happened all years, though. Curry's been known for these turnovers like this all season. But, but he, what he did was make shots. He shot 6 for 19 tonight, 17 points, and really just had some bad plays, like really bad plays throughout. Didn't, didn't make the big-time plays. It was disappointing. I, uh, I mean, guaranteed, any time you got a series like this with two, two teams giving it their all, it wasn't about a lack of heart or a lack of hustle or anything. It was more just one team being able to exp- – to enforce their will on the court more than the other team. And, uh, you know, we've been around since LeBron James. I've been following him since he was in high school, and I feel like this is a real, real special moment for him. When I think think back on his career, this is probably going to be – I mean, how could it get any bigger for him, you know? He's been fighting for this, this moment tonight for 12, 14 years now, and now he's got since 2003 so now it's 2016 and now he's now he brought a championship to the city of Cleveland something he's always wanted to do one of the best basketball players of all time I thought the uh, the entire Warriors organization handled it in a classy manner I saw Draymond Green out there congratulating the other players after after his hard fought Steph Curry going out there and congratulate congratulating the Cavaliers Steve Kerr obviously a class act so question Raymer real quick so me, I'm biased, obviously, towards the Cavs. I just want to know from your perspective, did you think the refereeing was fair? Or did you were you not happy with some of the calls? And I'll, honestly, I thought the refereeing wasn't very good the whole series, but I'm not going to say it was no good just for the Warriors' sake. I, I just think the refereeing was up and down a lot of the series. It was so physical for parts of the series. They were not calling fouls. And all of a sudden, they call ticky-tack fouls. Yeah, this first quarter, there was nothing called, and then all yeah, of a sudden... Yeah, it's like, it's just, it's just so up and down. Call it consistently the whole game. And, yeah, it does bother me. I, of course, I'm going to the Warriors fan thinking about Draymond Green suspending that game and all these things, but I'm not going to blame it on that. The Warriors had two more chances to win it. Full strength. Well, Bogey got hurt. That was really unfortunate. unfortunate series of events, yeah, with Draymond yeah. Green getting suspended. 
and then Bogut getting injured. So they played their last three games without one of their key starters for each one of those games. So that's unfortunate. But, I mean, great team. I don't think you can really take away anything from Cleveland in this instance. Those guys came out, uh, beat one of the best teams of all time, and they beat them three times in a row to win the championship. But well, I just think it's more not so much one team losing and just the other team winning, you know. It's just, no, I agree. So we, we talk about stars a lot on this podcast, right? Like how your stars shine. So let's just look at this. Look at the two stars for Cleveland, right? Kyrie Irving and LeBron James versus the two stars from uh, Warriors, Curry and Thompson. So LeBron James and Kyrie Irving combined for 53 points in Game 7, whereas Curry and Thompson combined for 31 points. Wow. At home. So, I mean, I, 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 I the, my whole last podcast, or the, the last series of the Thunder and Warriors, right? That's all I talked about was the efficiency and how much better – the Warriors stars played were this, I mean, the big moment here, game seven in Golden State, those two stars for Cleveland outperformed the Warriors. That being said, also, Kevin Love is still part of the big three of Cleveland and was really, I mean, I'm not going to say non-existent, but he was not the Kevin Love we know in this series. And I just can't think of another time there's been a player that's just been so, like, his his productivity, his usefulness has been so mediocre throughout a whole series. Um, I don't know. Can either of you guys? Yeah, there has there has been times when uh, I mean, of course, players have bad series and then they lose, then then they lose the series and it's over. That happens kind of frequently. What what makes this situation unique is that Cleveland was still over able to overcome it and come out on top. But in the, Clay Thompson didn't have a big finals last year. That's like, true. Uh, he was renowned for kind of uh, playing kind of poorly in the finals and caught a but, lot of criticism and flack for it. But Kevin Love was to the point where we're not starting you anymore. Like, they, they didn't start Kevin Love. They, he was like, this matchup is not conducive to us winning, and he's one of our big three, and we cannot have one of our big three in the game. I just don't know of a situation where that has ever happened I think it's just a very interesting position because when he was in Minnesota, he, we talked about him as a top 10 player in the NBA. He was an absolute beast. He averaged 25 and 12 a year. That's ridiculous. He was one of the best players, but now he's getting exposed defensively, and he just doesn't fit this team very well, in my opinion. I, I, I think that, in all honesty with Kevin Love, I don't know if we're going to get into this later, I think the Cavs should trade him after this year. I really think for his sake, he won his championship. He can get superb value for Kevin Love still. And I think for Cleveland's interest, I think it really, I think it makes sense. So, I, go on, Bobby. No, you go ahead. What do you okay. got? Well, so two things. One, I need to call out Bobby. Last week, he was talking about Duke one and Duns, not accomplishing anything in the NBA. And since then, Kyrie Irving has been phenomenal. Just made the biggest, I mean, you're right. the shot that won the series, basically. Yeah, game set. If you guys did with third with thirty forty seconds left, Kyrie Irving hits a step back three right. and Curry was face. It was it was right when the Cavs' offense was looking dismal. They were all stagnant. LeBron was just not not doing anything on offense. Nothing was happening. Whoa, whoa, whoa! LeBron was doing quite well. I mean, in, that in, game. well, in the end of, on offense, it just seemed like play after play, LeBron coming it was down. A lot of one on one. Yeah, I mean the the offense. Me and Bobby were talking about this offense does not look good at all. It was just. Love, post him up, LeBron tried to score, Irving tried to score. And 
I mean, fortunately enough, I feel like their defense is good enough because what is this? Holding Golden State to 89, 89 points? No, it's yeah. ridiculous. Well, one thing is you can say about that is I think it's more surprising watching Golden State's offense down the stretch. They've been known for this bald movement, right, great right. screens, cutting, getting open looks, taking the best shot available with these great shooters. And if you that last five minutes of that game, their looks were not good at all. They're the last possession, the Warriors truly had a full possession to tie the, the game after Kyrie shot. Curry mm-hmm. shot a ridiculously uh, contested three-pointer off balance that wasn't even the stuff Curry threw. That's how ridiculous bad of a shot it was. And the ball movement, they tried it, but the stifling defense of Cleveland totally threw off Golden State, unlike you really ever see. So I got a couple responses. One thing, we're talking about Kevin Love instead of the man of the hour, LeBron James. So after this, I want to focus on LeBron James for a little bit. Second thing, as of last week, I was right about Duke one and Dunn's. Now I'm wrong about it. Kyrie Irving achieved something, so one for four. So, yeah, okay. okay third, you are... third thing, it just seems like in the playoffs, it's just hard to maintain this beautiful offense all the time. Like, like almost all of these series boil down to some, usually some ugly stuff. But it, offensively, it wasn't a pretty game. What, the reason I loved watching the game is I just loved – seeing the emotion, the intensity, and how much these guys were putting into it. And, yeah, I really I really want to uh, just – so. I mean, I, I know we talk about LeBron a lot in sports, but I just feel like this is his night. Like, this is the night to talk about 100% LeBron. I really agree. I, so you have to get this. So LeBron won the NBA Finals MVP, which 100% deserved. He was Unanimous. amazing. Yeah, he was unbelievable. So he joined with this MVP win. He joined uh, – one of only five players to ever win three MVPs, uh, NBA MVPs of all time. Finals MVPs. Finals MVPs. So with that, Jordan was number one. You had Tim Duncan, Shaquille O'Neal, or Kobe Bryant, uh, Magic Johnson. Um, and sorry, I forgot the last one here. But yeah, it just shows how great LeBron James has been. And this series, I really believe he put himself in that Mount Rushmore discussion now. He is in that top five discussion of all time, if he might have already was, but now he solidified it where he literally put on his team on his back, him and Kyrie. Kyrie you have to give a shout out to Kyrie. But beat the 73-win Warriors and came back from a 3-1 deficit for his hometown. For his hometown. So, interestingly, interestingly enough, me and Bobby were talking about Game 7 before it happened a couple days ago, and he brought up the point... I feel like if it was Jordan or Kobe, they're not going to lose this game seven. And you're still, before it, I was still kind of iffy on... Didn't on, Kobe lose a game seven to Boston Celtics? He did, yeah. He did, and he didn't play well in the next game seven in which he won, and Ron Artest kind of bailed him out at the end. But anyway, anyway, it just kind of seemed, you always just feel so confident in Kobe or, or Jordan going into a game seven no matter the situation. And in this situation, I wasn't exactly confident in LeBron and the Cavs. I mean, this may be a different situation because this is maybe we were thinking the best team ever assembled. You know, it's funny because I don't really disagree with you. But when you look at stats, people are totally full of shit. Because LeBron James, against elimination, has the most points per game in NBA history when his team's faced elimination. He's averaged most points per game. It's like 32, 33, 35, I don't know, somewhere around there, points per game right. when his team is evasion elimination. And, but to be fair, maybe Jordan wasn't in a lot of those games. Good point. Yeah. Um, um, one, and one quick thing about what Bobby was saying about 
how things change. We got off off topic a little bit with love, but it's just so mind-boggling how the Cavs changed from the beginning of the playoffs to the end. They were this prolific three-point shooting team at the beginning of the playoffs, making like setting records for threes. And I was like, wow, maybe this is the way they can beat the Warriors. And then that kind of faded in the Toronto series. And tonight they were just dismal from from three, I believe. They they really struggled. We're gonna look it up what the stats were. Yeah, no, you're right. So they were they got actually destroyed for Golden State in three point. They made six threes. Six to twenty five. Yeah, six to twenty five. What are you thinking, Bob? Remarkable, remarkable. Um, I'm just, I'm still in shock, man. I, I, I want to celebrate LeBron. I want to be say, this is, this is his moment. This is, this puts him on Mount Rushmore. This says like, look, LeBron. We were, we were doubting him. We were saying, now oh, maybe he's not the best player anymore. And I feel like, uh, for the time being, he took that. He took it back. Curry is, is, uh, number two now. And he and if he wants to he wants to get on top of that ladder, he's got to come back next season and make that statement again. But for right now, LeBron James still gets to be the king. Um, I think Kyrie Irving deserves a ton of respect for what he was able to do. Um, I, Tristan Thompson came up really big in the series. There's a, a lot of great players. Yeah. I mean, I mean LeBron. Not not saying he won it by himself, but I'm just I'm so happy for him. Seeing uh, like the amount of emotion that those guys had after the game, seeing seeing what it meant to them as a team, uh, a lot of cool things that happened. When Mo Williams was on that team, um, so he gets to celebrate winning a championship in Cleveland with LeBron. That was the All Star from previous uh, Cleveland regimes. Cleveland regime with LeBron James. Uh, first championship for Richard Jefferson. That's his first. I thought yeah. he won one with no. no. No, so New that's Jersey, a right? that is a long. Arizona, I mean, he got Arizona. he got close plenty of times. He got close in New Jersey twice, um, I believe he was on some Mavericks teams that that did pretty well. But that's a thirty nine year old veteran winning his first NBA championship. Um, I, th- I think there's a lot of really cool stories. So honestly, I was so super upset with the Warriors not winning. I mean, I have to be right, but. I feel like there was like, any other team in the Western Conference playing Cleveland. I probably wouldn't for Cleveland just because, like you're saying, there's so many of these really neat backstories. And as a sports fan, you kind of respect a lot of them. And I feel like just Cleveland winning this team and then LeBron coming home, like you introduced our podcast today, LeBron coming home and winning one for Beautiful. Cleveland, I think is pretty cool. So not only did they come back, but – um. But this series was not just for the championship. This They were playing, Curry and LeBron were playing for face of the league. And it's kind of like, yeah, LeBron, you're right. You're the best player still. Because just a couple weeks ago, I was saying Curry's the best. And LeBron just proved all of us wrong in, like, fabulous fashion. It was very evident to me, I think, I mean, who knows? Curry may not have been 100%. I don't know who is 100% at this time of the year. But it seemed very evident that LeBron can control a game in a way that Curry cannot control a game. Well, it was, so I'm watching the game, tied, two minutes left in the game, and I'm thinking, no matter what happens, LeBron James is the MVP. He would have been. He you had to give him the MVP. He had a triple double. Tonight. He yeah. He he had a triple double in Game Seven. Maybe before um, the game too. And he would have been. Yeah. And I I would have 
severely disagreed with the league, and I think most people would have disagreed. I mean, Curry did not have a huge game. Uh, Draymond didn't have a big enough series. Klay Thompson didn't have a big game. There just was no one to give it to on the Warriors that halfway deserved it as much as LeBron deserved the MVP. I think Kyrie almost deserved a second. Yeah, Kyrie. So no matter what, LeBron James is going to be the MVP. If they would have lost, he would have been only the second team on a losing team, the second MVP to come from a losing team since Jerry West in the 60s. And then... One thing I want to say, Bob, is that... To your point, when I was saying, I thought you were going with this, but with like there was like a minute and a half, whatever, left in the game, and I don't know if you had to watch it. There was a steal, and the, the Golden State had a fast break, and he would all went up for a layup, and LeBron James came out of freaking nowhere. Classic, yeah. Oh, one of his baby. Classic. Oh, blocks. baby. And li- even oh, me as a Warriors fan, I was like. Holy shit. Dude, that was one of the best plays of all time. That yeah. block, He almost gave himself, like, a concussion on the rim. He absolutely he came out of so nowhere. High on the screen, him. on the actual screen you're watching on ABC, you didn't see him at all anywhere. Iguodala yeah. was, like, at the free throw line, and LeBron was at the half. It was and he crazy. he swatted that. So, if you haven't seen this block, this block literally, I think, changed the game by a big, big margin. And goes to your point, Thomas, like, how somebody can affect the game in so many ways... And my second point with this, I really want to say is, that's great about sports, honestly. I think that it was well-deserved. We were saying Curry's taking over the league at that point. He's two-time back-to-back MVP, just came out with a championship. He deserved that. He earned that up there. And now LeBron James just earned it, taking it back from him. Yeah, yeah. So I think that's a great thing that goes into sports. Great great rivalry we have right now. Very lucky to experience this. What if that dunk would have went in? Holy cow, man, that dunk, though. Holy shit, all right, guys. If you guys didn't see this, this was literally, like, how much time was that? 15 seconds? Something like that. Was that really close to the end of the game? 10 seconds left in the game. LeBron, so Kyrie Irving drives, and LeBron James starts cutting the basket. Irving, great Great, pass. Great great pass. pass. And LeBron, sky high, head at the rim, almost had an crazy, powerful, symbolizing, symbolic dunk. On Draymond. On Draymond Green, but Draymond Green got a good enough foul on him, luckily, that it didn't go in. Man, that would have been, like, just momentous. Like, we would have been seeing that on replays the rest of our lives. Would have been one of the best plays of all time. I was like, feel like we kind of got robbed. That it didn't go in, but good hard foul by Draymond showed a lot of heart. Uh, LeBron looked like he sprained his wrist on the play and came back and made get the clutch back up and makes he needed to make one of the two free throws. Uh, He sprained his shooting hand wrist. Uh, Needed to make one of the two free throws to put the game into four points and kind of take it out of reach a little bit, and he did it. That that would have gone down as his iconic play of his career. Oh no doubt that went, but. If you have not seen this game or the highlights, watch the highlights or even watch the game on replay if you can. There were some unbelievable oh high-level, high-octane plays. Like Kyrie Irving made some of the most phenomenal like plays I've seen in a while. Like His touch was unreal. LeBron had a couple blocks that were unreal. Insane. Um, yeah, there was, I mean, there's a lot of big moments in this game that people were like, early in the game, like, just quick four-point swings that easily could have gone to one team's favor or the not. Yeah. The one that really pops my is Curry had a steal with literally in his hands, two hands on the ball, and somehow it goes through his hands, LeBron gets it and dunks it. So you're talking about a fast break for the Warriors or an easy dunk for the Cavs. I mean, this is such a close game that all these little possessions matter, and 
as a sports fan, damn, we have to appreciate this. A lot of swings, man. A lot, a lot of swings in that game. All of a sudden, the Cavs are up six, and then there's a ten point swing, and the Warriors are up, and then goes right back. It looked for a while. It looked like Clay Thompson was going to take over. They weren't able to keep getting them the ball in situations to succeed. Uh, similar situations happening. Um, I was going to save this for the end of the show, okay. but I got a little theory about what we're looking at with the future of the NBA, and I want to hear your guys' uh, critiques. And just Bobby listen, is really excited for this. Listen, I have no idea what's going to come up with Matt right uh, now. Yeah, I have no idea listen, what's happening here. Listen to you guys hate on me for a minute because I'm pretty sure I know what's happening in the NBA this summer, and it's big time. This summer. This summer. Okay. Earlier this year... LeBron James sends out a tweet saying, I mean, not, not a tweet. He makes a statement to the media talking about how he wants to play with his best friends in the NBA. He's, he wants to play with Carmelo Anthony and Dwayne Wade. Okay? Chris Paul. And Chris Paul. That's correct. That's correct. Um, and then later on in the year, he starts talking about how he wants to win a championship for Cleveland. Now, anyone that knows anything about LeBron knows that he sends cryptic messages out all the time. Like, the way that he speaks, he's always kind of sending out... It bugs the shit out of me how he handles media. It really bugs me. It's weird, isn't it? It's weird, but it it makes you want to read into it a little bit. And when you get too. (laughs) Like, literally, his press conferences bug the shit out of me. Anyway, I'm distracting you. So this is what's happening. LeBron James achieved his mission in Cleveland, and he is now free to leave that shithole of a town... And go play basketball wherever he wants. Now he no longer feels like he's owes Cleveland anything, and he's free of his chains, it's keeping him there. And now he gets to go chase his dream of playing with his best friends. Dwayne Wade happens to be a free agent, and the New York Knicks have a ton of salary space. What? What? <laughs> the New York Knicks. My prediction... Thomas, you're enthusiastic right there. Freaking off the charts. My prediction, by the end of the summer, we're looking at a New York Knicks roster that has Carmelo Anthony, Dwayne Wade, and LeBron James all suiting up for them next season. And Chris Stapps. While maintaining their young superstar, Chris Stapps Porzingis. What do you think, Matt? I don't think it's an ad. (laughs) No? No. Not true? No. First of all, I don't think Dwayne Wade wants to leave Miami at all. I think that's the biggest thing. There's a lot of controversy. He almost left last year when they insisted that he take less money, and then they only were willing to give him a one-year contract. They got a crap load of money, but I really think Wade has a lot of loyalty to that organization and Pat Riley. And then my second immediate thing was, like, I don't think it's going to happen, but the second big thing is, would I even think that they're the favorites any, if they go there? Like, I don't, I don't even know if I'll be... They're old. Like, Dwayne Wade, I, he's still played really good. I just don't know if I called them the favorites. Yeah, yeah, but I don't know. Bobby's making the point. It's not about favorites. It's about having fun with your best friends now. I think Bobby. automatically they do become the favorites anyway. because they're still the team with LeBron James. And then they also have Dwayne Wade and Carmelo Anthony. We're talking three top 20 players in the league. Um, absolutely. I, I just... They still got Chris Stapps Porzingis, and obviously, I mean, obviously, when you got okay. when you get LeBron James, you're gonna be you're gonna bring in other other okay, people. Okay, I don't think it's more thought, but anyway, I don't think it, I don't think it's happening. It would be unique though. It would imagine if he won in Cleveland. I mean, I'm not. And think, then goes and wins in the New York Knicks the next year. 
Would that make him the best player? Like, Michael Jordan and him? Like, that would be insane. Yeah, it would be nuts. Um, I mean, I know it would mean a lot to Carmelo Anthony. They both, all of those guys have talked favorably of it. I'm not the only person theorizing that LeBron James is now uh, free to leave Cleveland. Um, I don't think he wants to. So I want to give you your odds. Let's, 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 Let's get your odds on this really percentage quick. Percentage Percentage you think he leaves Cleveland out of 100? 70. Wow. Thomas, what do you think? Zero percent. I'm at one percent. Zero percent and one percent. Okay, well, you guys don't understand the situation that Cleveland has put themselves in both fiscally and as far as developing young talent. They don't. They traded away their draft picks in order to win a championship. Correct, but for the near future, they're still going to have Love, Kyrie, this roster, Thompson, LeBron. They have all the pieces. You're just telling me Richard Jefferson wouldn't sign for the veterans minimum? I, yeah, whatever. Richard I mean, Jefferson could be replace Richard Jefferson. Yes, He's I, a swing man. There's yes, hundreds I think they would be just fine. I don't think LeBron's going to pass I'm gonna look up. It up. I don't think LeBron's going to pass up the opportunity to maybe win again with the team with the blueprint that just won. He just won with this team. I think he, championships, he knows he's chasing championships for his legacy. I think I think that's he this gives him the best shot to win right now. It's your thought though, Bob. I like your excitement. But uh alright, so do you guys wanna have what what is your one last final impression right now of these NBA finals? There's one last thing that comes to mind, just thinking like, damn, when I look up at this, this is what I'm gonna think. Bobby, what do you think? This is our moment. This is our moment. I was a kid when Michael Jordan was winning championships with the Bulls. I wasn't in my sports prime. Uh, LeBron James is the player of my lifetime. I, I think he just uh, surpassed Kobe as the biggest superstar I've ever seen in my life. And this was his shining moment of his career. I don't think it's going to get any. I mean, I know he's already won two championships. This one means the most to him and to me. And to, I, I, I think it's his bright moment. It. Blown away. Awesome. What do you think, Tom? Blown away also, but to go in a little bit of a different direction, I was calling Steph Curry the best player in basketball for most of the season, and he had a pretty bad finals. And I just want to see how he recovers from this, how Golden State comes back from this. I think it will be – I think this is going to be a great rivalry for years to come. Cleveland and Golden State. Mine comes down to upsetting, disheartening, but proud to be a sports fan. All in the same thing. Upsetting because we're talking about the Warriors, maybe the best team of all time. Um, disheartening because you had a 3-1 lead in the NBA Finals, right? You should win. This never happened before. And they flat out, they lost their emotion. They were not their close-knit IQ team that Bobby always likes to talk about, everybody likes to talk about, highest IQ. They did not look like that in these NBA Finals. But proud of a sports fan for witnessing an amazing Game 7, an amazing sports moment, and seeing one of the best basketball players of all time shine. Great hot take, man. Awesome, uh, awesome Finals talk. We'll be back with some soccer talk here after the break. Hey, what's up? This is Bobby from the Raymtown Riot Podcast. I just want to take a moment to alert the people of Albuquerque about a great opportunity to be saving some money on gasoline while also getting a free car wash. 
I'm talking about the 7-Eleven on Palomas and Zuni right in the middle of the barrio. Um, some of the most affordable gas in town, always good prices. And then if you buy eight or more gallons, you get a complimentary car wash there. You're not going to beat that deal in town. I definitely encourage you to check it out. Uh, Palomas is in between San Mateo and San Pedro, and that is on Zuni. Definitely check it out. All right, welcome back to the Raymtown Riot. And so we're going to transition now from uh, our incredible NBA Finals to the El Copa America, the big soccer tournament that's going on right now in the United States. And it kind of covers the South American mm-hmm. and the North American countries. And now the USA, big, big, big time, are in the semifinals. The first time since 1995. And really a big moment for USA soccer. And they just came off a victory in the quarters over Ecuador, a 2-1 victory. A really gritty performance. Uh, and they will now face the really big powerhouse in this tournament in Argentina. Argentina has Uno Messi who's playing out of his mind. And Argentina hasn't even had a remotely close match this entire Copa America. And so, what do you, what's your thoughts on I wouldn't even say game? Lionel Messi's playing out of his mind. I would say the man walks around in a constant state of greatness. Uh, like, if you get a chance to see this guy play soccer, you're probably going to see an incredible performance. He's the best player in the world it's constantly. Um, it's great that we get to play against him. It's a great opportunity for us as a team. Um, I really like this USA soccer team, man, and I think it's something that we as a country are starting to get behind and uh, really support in every tournament that we come at. I feel like our support for the team grows, and as we continue to have success, it's just it's exciting where U.S. soccer is going. Um, be excited to watch that game. What do you think, Thomas? First time ever the U.S. has made the semifinals in this tournament. I have a bet. No, 1995 they did. First time since 1995. Oh, is it since 95? Okay. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah, still pretty good. 21 years. Don't take that away from the Raymer. Anyway. I have a bet going on with a Central American on this uh, this game. He thinks I know nothing about soccer. A little bit true, but we're we're betting some cerveza, and uh, I'm I'm actually gonna take the time to watch this game. I'm pretty excited for the U.S. here and um, Argentina. Super, not only Messi, but superstars all over the field on this team. They Di Maria is a mean, freaking beast. They, they just have this team is full of talent but do they play together as a team we'll see it's gonna be it's very interesting when you have the superstardom the really let's say flashy but yeah yeah i'll call it flashy flashy great goals great overall just amazing skill from argentina versus the grit the toughness and the old leadership from the u.s clinton dempsey's absolutely having I mean, an amazing tournament and he's really been our best goal scorer by far fiercest threat and should be really I mean, we're talking about a team that took second in the World Cup a few years ago. And I just think the reason I say it's a big opportunity, it's always a big opportunity for the underdog. Because you come in there and you're not expected to win, but you still got a fighter's chance. You know, you still got a puncher's chance. I, I know this. I probably um, don't like to toot my own horn too much, but I try to do it at least once a show. But I'm a, I scored probably the biggest goal in high school soccer, like, up New Mexico history as far as, like, upsets go. Like, I was a part of a Manzano high school soccer team that uh, was awful. I think we were, like, 
three and thirteen or something, and we beat a team that was nationally ranked seventh and was on a forty-two game winning streak, and we beat them one nothing. And I, so it's just one of those sports where if you have a big moment, you can you can win the game. And so it's a big opportunity for the U.S. to kind of like elevate themselves on an international level and put themselves. I mean, obviously, Argentina's favored. They're a great team. They're probably favored to win the entire Copa America. So let's get into these favors. The U.S. are huge underdogs. So how it works is Argentina is favored 1-2 over the U.S., which is 11-2. So how this works is if the Argentina wins and say you bet $500 on Argentina, you win you get back 750 so you win $250 on betting $500. Mm-hmm. Whereas the United States, you have eleven to two, so you bet five hundred dollars on the United States, and you win five and a half times more than that. This so is why I was bugging you <laughs> during the break. I was telling you just use a simple number like one hundred dollars, and we you don't win have five thousand seven hundred and fifty dollars. Really impressive, yeah. Um, I don't know if I'll be putting a $500 bet on the U.S. team. I mean, who knows? Maybe if I get some expendable money, but... Uh, in the next couple days. Yeah, in the next couple days, something... Yeah, I don't know why you $500. I completely understand why that was not a great number to choose, but it worked out. Yeah, now we're all lost on the math. But the idea is that, I mean, Vegas has us as a long shot, but I still think definitely a game worth watching. It's in our hometown. It's in Houston. Which is kind of strange. It's in Houston in June, but I believe it's going to be indoors in the Houston Texans Stadium. If not, you're in a, one of the most humid parts of the country in, mid, in mid-June. It sounds miserable. I'm sure it'll be warm regardless. Like, how are they going to keep a whole stadium cold? Yeah. Well, I guess they do, right? Well, they yeah. have to, but you think about what NBA or NFL games is not nearly that temperature. Dear God. Yeah, anyway, but it's in Houston Tuesday. Really want to, you got to check that out. And now let's transition to the other side of the bracket where in the quarterfinal game you had Mexico versus Chile, which Mexico was actually the second highest ranked team in this Copa tournament, and they had the second best odds after Argentina. They came off 22 straight um, international wins, and they just get their ass Mexico. <laughs> oh, pobrecito. Pobrecito, Mexico. Oh, I'm just... I'm like, I, you, you know what, dude? I'm just so tired. I, some of our listeners from other states may not understand where I'm coming from with this, but as a U.S. fan living in New Mexico, we're just living under a constant barrage of attack from Mexican fans, talking about how shitty our team is, <laughs> how great their team is, celebrating when we lose... Screw the Mexican national soccer team. Nothing. <laughs> I don't. I don't like them. I don't like them, and I'm glad they lost. They didn't just lose. They, they lost got their ass seven kicked. to yeah. nothing. Yeah, it's big time. So it was two zero at halftime, and I was like, all right, I'll keep watching. You know, you can see a lot of things. Within like ten minutes of the second half, it was five to zero. Literally, Mexico just completely gave up. What do you say about the U.S.? They never give up when they're fucking fudging games. First time Matt has ever cussed on the podcast. There. <laughs> Very enthusiastic. I, I want to point out that it's nothing against the people of Mexico or my new Mexican friends that root for the Mexican people. It's just a sports thing. I hate the Mexican national soccer team. I'm glad they lost, and I'm glad that you all had to deal with that loss and that you still have to watch the U.S. play. That being said, I really hope Argentina doesn't kick our ass at the same <laughs> level that, that Chile just kicked Mexico's ass. But we'll see. Yeah, it's really unique, and I have, I have nearly the hate that 
Bobby has to the Mexican national team. I usually root for them in the World Cup because they're so close to the United States. But they do flop like crazy, and that's one thing about soccer drives yeah. me crazy. But anyway, so they got their butt kicked. Give props to Chile. Chile just freaking poured it on them. Chile looks like a really good team. And now they face Colombia in the semifinals Ooh. on the other side of the bracket. With Thomas's big star on that team, Jemez. James Rodriguez. Yeah, James Rodriguez. But anyway, yeah, that should be a really another really exciting game. And, uh, yeah, so those are your four teams left. USA, Argentina, and then Chile and Colombia. Now, look, I don't want to rub the Mexican fans too far the wrong way. Hopefully you can come back and ra- uh, start rooting for us. and Maybe we could uh, tie up some loose ends and make some peace and amends. We still... Could make some way as North American continent, maybe take this thing home for the uh, continent in general for don't, Copa don't, America. Don't back down from that original take. You you came out strong with it, and then you slowly, slowly, like backed off. You realized how much tits he was. Oh, I was. I would look. Okay, I still got. I still got some hate for the Mexican national soccer team, and I'm still mad at all of my uh, friends that have talked so much trash to me over the years about the U.S. soccer team sucking. But I'm just saying. If they're willing to throw a little piece my way, I'll throw a little piece their way. You know, that's not something that I can't forgive them for. Like, look at look at this. We got Chile, Colombia, and Argentina. Obviously, I have more in common with Mexico than any of those countries, and they have more in common with us because we're on this side of the equator. Maybe we could root against uh, South America together. But, I mean, I mean if, they, if they come back and they just keep tra- talking trash about the U.S., then it's o- it's over for you guys. You're no- never gonna have Bobby as a fan, and that's it. All right, there's the hot take from Bob. There's Bobby's beef. <laughs> Bring it back. All right, so uh, let's go chat for a little bit to the Euro. Um, we're not gonna get too much detail here, but yeah, there's been a a lot of close games, but less goal scoring. So the Euro Cup is in uh, Europe, and it's the same style where all the countries in Europe play each other for an ultimate crown. And the same teams that you traditionally think of have been dominating. And, yeah, what are your any thoughts on that, Bob? Ah, dude, I, I, I just love watching these athletes perform. Like, so- soccer, it's incredible the way that these guys are playing at such a fast rate with so much skill and precision. And, uh, of course, the Euro Cup, you got a lot of the best players in the world playing Ooh, against Ronaldo, each other consistently. Ronaldo's really been struggling. Talk about the best player in the world. So he is the most famous athlete in the world over Messi, arguably the best soccer player there is in the world. And his first two games in the Euro Cup have both been draws where Ronaldo in the last game missed a penalty kick. He hit the crossbar. And so he is really, really underwhelmed performing-wise for Portugal. So Ronaldo um, missed that. But they one of their draws was to Iceland. They drew with Iceland, and Iceland fans went ballistic in uh, enjoyment of, of just tying with them. And Ronaldo went on to say, the way, quote, the way they celebrated at the end was unbelievable. Iceland don't try to play. They just defend, defend, defend. Then they celebrate like they have won the Euros. This, is in my, this, in my opinion, shows a small mentality. They are not going to do anything in this competition. So, Ronaldo, a bit of a sore, sore loser after this draw. Not a sore loser. A sore, sore drawer. Drawer, drawer. Yeah, he is, did not lose that game, and he's right. Dude, they're not playing to win the game. Screw Iceland. You know, 
<laughs> why, I don't know why, Iceland, why, 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 that's Iceland's stack. best chance to win or get a point in the Euros. I feel like they <laughs> play stack well. all their players on defense and then not even play to try to win the game. That's not a, that's not a winning strategy. I totally defend what Cristiano Ronaldo said. Bobby has already caused anger in our Mexican fans of the show, and now Iceland. What are you going to do next? I might tweet this at the mountain from Game of Thrones because I believe that guy's from Iceland. And if, if hey, you got a chance there, yeah, there a chance at what? Getting my head exploded. <laughs> the last episode, he uh, pulled someone's head off, or yeah, maybe he'll squeeze my head until it pops, or rip my head off. Who knows? Yeah. All right. Well, yeah. So that's probably was not of, the only scary guy in Iceland either. Are, are some up there for soccer in general? And if you have a chance to watch any of these great games, especially the U.S. Tuesday against Argentina in Houston. Uh, definitely get a chance to watch, but also you got the Euros on the other side. And uh, we'll be back here to uh, give our big-time NBA draft. Let's get out of this segment before Bobby offends anyone else. All right, so right now we're going to give a shout-out to B2B. And if you have not checked this place out, they have amazing food and great beer specials. So they are Beer 2 Burgers, B2B. Their main location is in Knob Hill where they have gourmet burgers that are really good, not too overly priced. You can get egg on top of them, get bacon, and all the work. So good. And so many beer options that are reasonably priced. Really check it out. And they should open up a new location that is on Louisiana next to Uptown uh, by Payway on Louisiana Manal area where they do tacos. They do like street tacos with their same beer. And wow, they're really, really good food. So if you get a chance to check out B2B, Head that way. Ramtown Riot really supports it. Good food, good atmosphere, good times. B2B, check it out. And with the first pick of the 2016 NBA draft, the Philadelphia 76ers select. In my opinion, I think the Philadelphia 76ers are going to select Ben Simmons out of LSU. Just uh, too much potential. Positionless basketball player. He's going to be great. I agree. So... I think they're going to draft Simmons as well. I think Simmons is the best, the highest ceiling, and he's just an incredible player, 6'10", versatility, can dribble, can do everything besides shoot at this point, and I think uh, he'll be the pick. And with the second pick, the Los Angeles Lakers select. At this point, it seems pretty unanimous. The second pick will be Brandon Ingram out of Duke. Uh, Another guy, 6'10", small forward, smooth, silky shooter, scorer, can do it all. Um, superstar potential, big-time pickup for the Lakers. I'm not going to add too much to that. I'm going to say Brandon Ingram from Duke as well. I think he'll be the second pick. And just to clarify for the listeners right now, we're giving a, Bobby's giving his mock draft. I'm giving my mock draft for the upcoming NBA draft that's going to be taking place Thursday, uh, June 23rd. And we have a bet between the three of us on who, whoever's the, the, in last place after this. So each pick in the lottery counts as one point. Whoever's in last place has to buy the three of the rest, the whole team dinner. We're going to be the posting team. our uh, we're, we're going to be team. posting our mock drafts onto our Twitter account. If you feel like getting involved, go ahead, uh, create your own, and send us some stock. Maybe you come out to dinner with us. Just let us know. Here we go. And uh, with with the third pick, and oh, and the side note, real quick. This is Thomas. I am not saying my picks because I'm stealing Raymer and Bobby's picks for whenever, whenever I submit mine. So with the third pick of the NBA draft, the Boston Celtics select 
This is the point where I see my first trade of the draft. I don't think the Celtics are going to keep this pick. With that said, I think they're drafting uh, point guard Chris Dunn out of Providence. Um, he is unanimously the top point guard prospect in the draft and highly sought after by a number of teams. Um, point guard being one of the most important positions on the floor for sure. And so I see them selecting him with the trade in mind. So I think this is the point in the NBA draft where things get really murky. The first two picks are kind of seem set in stone at this point. And I'm going to disagree with you. I think Boston goes with Jamal Murray from Kentucky. He is fits that mold really well for that team. They need shooting very bad in that backcourt. Uh, and I think uh, they want the shooting and the scoring with that versatility. So I think Jamal Murray from Kentucky will be the third pick. And with the fourth pick, the Phoenix Suns select... With the fourth pick, the Phoenix Suns are going to go with seven-foot stretch power forward out of Europe, Dragon Bender. Um, they're a team that has strength at the guards, needs post play, needs shooting. The success of Kristaps Porzingis has really boosted this guy's stock as he looks kind of like a similar player. Uh, really polarized a lot of scouts as they don't know if he is going to be the best player from the draft or absolutely a complete bust. But uh, I think the Suns will roll the dice on him and select Dragon, Dragon Bender out of Europe. All right, and uh, so this pick I really struggled with, and I almost had Dragon Bender there. I think there's a really good chance to go there, but I went with Marquise Chris from the Washington Huskies, and he is kind of a guy that came on the scene a little late, and he is skyrocketing up boards because people feel he has the second highest ceiling in this draft after Ben Simmons. And he's a power forward from Washington with athletic freak. And if he puts it all together, he could be great. And with the fifth pick, Minnesota is taking who, guys? For me, they're taking Jamal Murray. Matt had him previously uh, going to the Boston Celtics. I think he slides a couple and goes to the young, uh, potentially star-studded Minnesota Timberwolves. All right. And uh, I think if Murray was there, the Wolves would take Murray. Uh, but I had them taking Dunn. I think it's actually a little bit of a surprise between him and uh, Buddy Hield. And I have them taking Dunn over Hield because of Tom Thibodeau and his defensive prowess and his mentality. And Bobby's already talked about Dunn. Who are the Pelicans taking at number six? Buddy Hield out of Oklahoma, the National Player of the Year. Um, can do it all on offense, big-time shooter. We all know how important that is. It's something that this team really needs. Uh, looking for complimentary players to Anthony Davis. I think this guy's going to do it for him. All right. I have them taking Dragon Bender, who uh, you already have the Suns taking, and I think him and uh, Anthony Davis paired up together, and uh, that front court is just really, really unique. And I think Bender, some people believe, has uh, better potential at this point in his career than Porzingis had for the Knicks. I like that healed pick. Might steal that from my own draft. But we're moving on to seven, the, the Denver Nuggets. Who do you guys have? I've got them um, selecting uh, athletic freak Jalen Brown out of California. Uh, freshman, six foot seven, 230 pounds. Um, just a lot of potential, what he could become in the league as far as defensively and offensively. A lot of talent. And I think the uh, Nuggets are pretty strong at point guard and post, and they'll be, they'll be looking for a wing player. I have to agree with you. I have him getting uh, Brown as well from Cal. And one unique thing I read about Brown 
as a freshman athlete, superstar, highly recruited player that knows he's going to the NBA, he was taking 300-level classes as a freshman because he is very, very, very intelligent guy. And he wanted to challenge himself, and he's so interested in a lot of things and other economic classes and stuff with uh, how the trading works and all this. So very unique pick, and I think it's kind of he – didn't, he didn't live up to his potential at Cal, but I think they're going to go with Brown. And who are the Sacramento Kings taking at eight? I got the Sacramento Kings selecting uh, Marquise Chris out of Washington. Matt already introduced him. Um, guy didn't perform well in college, but he's got all the tools to become a two-way star in the NBA. Uh, Sacramento Kings should be looking for players with star potential, so that's where I see them going. All right, yeah, so I have them taking Buddy Hield here. I don't think that's really any surprise with how my draft's gone. Um, they're like you say, is a tremendous scorer, great player for Oklahoma. And really, if you guys haven't followed the draft yet, what they're saying is these top eight players are most likely for sure going to go in the first eight picks. And then after that, it's kind of a crapshoot. Nine through 14 is really interesting, and people aren't quite sure. I mean, the one through eight order is not by any means set in stone, but those are the top eight players in the draft. So let's move on. And I believe we have our first playoff team with the Toronto Raptors. Who do you think the Raptors select? The uh, Raptors were fortunate to be able to get a first-round pick and a pretty deep draft through a trade scenario. I've got them selecting freshman power forward Henry Ellenson out of Marquette. Um, I think what he can provide as a stretch forward could be big for them in the future. A lot of potential, uh, smooth stroke, and that's what a lot of teams are looking for these days. Wow, Bob, I'm surprised we had the same pick. I really debated this one hard, but it was the same way. I had Henry Ellison as well because his, his shooting ability and stretching that floor. If you remember Toronto this last year, they were trying to heavily find a power forward that could stretch the floor during the trade deadline. And uh, his 7-3 wingspan could be really versatile and help that team. Okay, some guy I've never heard of then going to the Raptors. At 10, who do you guys have going to the Milwaukee Bucks? I've got Scal LeBissier out of Kentucky. Um, coming into the season, he was projected to be a top three pick. He was kind of underwhelming at Kentucky, but all of the potential uh, that he is carrying is still there. He just needs to add some weight and some strength. He's a very fluid athlete at seven feet tall. When I think about the Milwaukee Bucks, I think about length and management that's willing to take risks. Scal LeBissier is as long as they come. Kind of fits what they're looking for. Uh, they need post players. That's where I see them going. All right. I have the Bucks getting Potal from, how do you say, I think that's how you say his name, from Utah, University of Utah. And he was regarded as the best center in this draft. He's the tallest player in this draft, a 7-1. And really great, great player for Utah. And his real plus minus and his overall impact in the game numbers are off the charts. And I have the Bucks going there to really help their defense. Interesting. And at number 11, the Orlando Magic. I've got the Orlando Magic actually selecting Poitel. As I see this as another situation where they will be trying to make a trade. I think he's the top player available on my board. And I think the Orlando Magic will probably be looking to move him along with some of their other young assets in an attempt to grab a uh, potential all-star. All right, so me and you flip-flop these picks. I have uh, Scala Labissiere going there uh, with Frank Vogel developing that young 
talent and seeing if he can actually become what people thought he would be at some point. Okay, and we're moving on to number 12. Who do the Utah Jazz take? Utah Jazz will be selecting shooting guard out of Europe for Con Korkmaz. Uh, great player, a lot of offensive ability, can really knock down shots from anywhere on the floor. Uh, they're a good young team, exciting players all around, and I think they're just going to be looking for guys that can uh, fill up the uh, scoreboard, and that's what they're getting here. That's kind of why uh, I had Wade Baldwin from Vanderbilt going there. He's a really athletic dude um, from Vanderbilt. Never quite played great um, this season, but can really shoot the ball and really athletic and has a lot of potential to be really good in the NBA. So I had Wade Baldwin going there. Okay, number 13, Phoenix Suns, their second pick in the lottery. The Phoenix Suns will be selecting Deontay Davis out of uh, Michigan State, freshman power forward, absolute animal. Uh, guy's 6'10", 240 pounds, reminds me a lot of Tristan Thompson. Um, and I think Phoenix Suns in general are just a team that's looking for good young post players. I think I see them getting two here in the lottery in the draft. All right, I have uh, Furkan Kormak's mods or whatever from Europe as well, the six-seven shooting guard. And I think uh, getting a European player at this point uh, makes a lot of sense for the Suns um, after I have them passing on Bender in their uh, fourth overall selection. So that's where I have them going. Well said. I like that pronunciation. Number 14, Chicago Bulls. Last pick of the lottery. Wade Baldwin out of Vanderbilt, uh, guy looks kind of like George, George Hill out there with the ability to play either guard spot, really defend and uh, make some solid plays happen. I see them as a team that's been looking to shore up their guard position for years, and I think he's a solid addition to that roster. All right, so this pick I really struggled with, and uh, finally a little bit of discrepancy for me and Bobby from at least people. I have uh, DeMontis Sabonis from Gonzaga going to the Bulls at 14. Uh, he's really had a really good college career for Gonzaga, and with the Bulls losing, most likely to lose their top big men in Joakim Noah and Paul Gasol, I think it makes a lot of sense for them to get a big man to fill that slot. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, we'll see how the draft plays out, man. I, I like our mock drafts; it's exciting. One of the most interesting things about the mock draft, or about the NBA draft in general, is that we get such limited information. So every year, there's guys that rise up way, way higher than you would have thought they would have been drafted, and there's guys that that slide quite a bit further than you would have thought. So even though we have an idea that these guys may be potentially top eight picks, uh, I can almost guarantee somebody from out that we don't necessarily see as a lottery pick is likely to slide in there, and some of these guys may fall even into the second round because of circumstances that we're not aware of. It's just... Uh, it's a lot of fun to watch if you're an avid basketball fan. Um, I like that I last it. pick by Raymer, the Sabonis pick on the Bulls. Someone to replace the great Cam Berstow uh, on that roster. Berstow! Berstow's technically on the uh, roster steer, but... No, Berstow was just traded. What? Yeah, what? Some local New Mexico news. Cam Berstow was traded to my Detroit Pistons. My new favorite player, I'll probably be buying a jersey if I didn't think he'd probably be cut before the season starts. Uh, <laughs> what was the trade? They, it, was, it didn't make any sense at all. It was two players that are end-of-the-bench guys got traded. Dinwiddie from the 
uh, Pistons was traded. For, for Cam Bairstow? Yeah. Straight up. Hey! Hey, hey Bairstow! Stan Van Gundy is seeking Cam Bairstow! Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so if you guys don't know Cam Bairstow, Cam Bairstow is kind of a legend for UNM basketball. His senior year, he was so good. Led the, the Lobos to the tournament and really is the only player that performed in the tournament for him. And, uh, yeah, so that's our thing there. And so that, that was our mock draft. We're going to have a dinner bet on this, and I'm really excited. And really, like Bobby was saying, NBA draft is so all over the place, it's extremely hard to predict it with all these international players and everything. And really, the athletes don't work out. They just don't. Ben Simmons hasn't done one workout for one team, and he finally met with the Philadelphia 76ers, the only team he's met with. This entire draft process. When Matt is saying that the athletes don't work out, it doesn't mean that they're not doing push-ups and running drills or anything like that. What he's saying is that they don't, uh, lots of times it's advantageous for the players to not do private workouts with teams. Not just private workouts. They don't do the NBA uh, uh, draft combine. Draft combine either. Yeah, I mean, a lot of times for these top players, it's not really an opportunity to boost your stock. It's only an opportunity for other players to boost their stock up next year. So a lot of agents are telling these guys, um, yeah, don't don't go to these events. Don't get your measurements taken. None of this nonsense. And then so teams, lots of times, they don't know what they're getting. It's pretty interesting. Yeah, so that's, uh, that's kind of it right there. And uh, that's going to sum up our show right now. And Are we oh, not we gotta, doing the Rain Top oh, Riots this we got week? <laughs> Thomas, you uh, you ready? You want Bobby go first? I got nothing, so you gotta go, Matt. Oh, I'm Here going. Go. Here we go, Raymtown Riot. Uh, right, we obviously were not organized good enough for our Raymtown Riot today. What the hell? Uh, but anyway, so what I am gonna talk about is the major championship that went down today in sports, right? The golf tournament. We're talking about golf major, and Dustin Johnson finally won a first major of the U.S. Open, and this was played. In Pennsylvania today, and there was a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of controversy during this because Dustin Johnson, through the entire last round almost, was very unsure whether he was going to lose a stroke off his game for a ball moving on the green, which he did not touch. But the head of the PGA Tour was wondering, well, did he influence the ball moving anyway? And so, with all the pressure and all these things going in Dustin Johnson's head, he had to think about. Well, I don't even know what score I'm at. Am I at this minus level or this minus level? But you got to give salute to him because he ended up winning it by three strokes, putting it all to bed, and you don't have to worry about at all this. But some of these big-name golfers, biggest in the world, were coming out calling the PGA out big time. Rory McIlroy said, This is ridiculous. No penalty whatsoever for DJ. Let the guy play without this crap looming over his head. This is amateur hour from U.S. golf. Jordan Spieth. Let me get this straight. DJ doesn't address it. It's ruled that he didn't cause it to move. Now you tell him he may have now. This is a joke. And then my favorite golfer, Ricky Fowler, said, The fact that USA Golf thinks that DJ caused the ball to move is completely ridiculous and laughable. Big time take, Matt. Thomas, let's see what you got, baby. Okay, so to continue with the LeBron mania... I was looking at Twitter after, and I cannot believe Skip Bayless. I mean, I don't know how much of this stuff he's saying just to get a reaction, but I'm just like, come on, man. Shut up. Some of these tweets, 
I just can't even believe. So first off, he just says, here it comes. Witnesses will now make the case LeBron is better than Jordan. Uh, another tweet says that Kyrie should have been the MVP. Another tweet comes out that says the Spurs would have beaten these Cavs. Um, and then also he makes the point that Steph was the first unanimous MVP and just blew the game for the Warriors. So just being a bit of a negative Nancy here, I'm just like, can't you just enjoy what ju we just saw? We just saw one of the greatest NBA games in the history of, of this sport, and it just all sorts of complaining. Not, I mean, just like, I feel like not wanting to give people credit and just, just an annoying way to go about watching sports, I feel like. Publicity queen, man. He feeds off a negative energy. Yeah, he's great at it. Yeah. Here we go with the big time tag of Ringtown Rapid Riot. Nick Young, ladies, single, Swaggy P, and his fiance, Ziggy Azalea. Iggy Azalea? Uh, Iggy, uh, Iggy Azalea, whatever, <laughs> however the hell you say her name. Very famous hip-hop star that I am not familiar pop with. Pop star, not hip-hop. I'm pretty sure she's a rapper. Anyways, Swaggy P, no longer in a relationship with his girlfriend. Um, maybe having to do with his teammate ratting him out earlier in the year. Related news, D'Angelo Russell, his teammate that uh, blew him up on media, is now circling in trade rumors. I think there might be a lot of people in the Lakers organization that don't trust him. And very, 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 very interesting what's going on in that situation. Um, there you go. There's his yeah, that's right. it. That's it. <laughs> Nick Young is now single. Nick Russell, Young is Russell. now single. Hopefully we can get him on the show one day. You can tell him that Russell completely ruined his life, and you can thank him for that. And that wraps up our show here today, guys. I thought that was a really fun show. We're after the, one of our best NBA finals we've seen in a long time. I still feel like I got kicked in the nuts, but I like everybody. Thanks for joining us. The Ramtown Riot, we'll see you guys now here we'll again. go get drunk next week. Come back and join us. with. Uh, we'll be wrapping up the NBA draft as well as the Copa America. And covering everything else that happens in sports, I think we're going to be having a to-be-announced guest host on our next show. So, a lot of exciting stuff happening. Check us out on Twitter. Check us out on... RaintownRiot at gmail.com. Also on iTunes. Well, I got all my stuff stuffed in a ride and truck And I'm headed to the city to get live as live Well, I got all my stuff stuffed in a ride and truck And I'm headed to the city to get live as truck On some 10-foot mic cord on a ride What? Banging on a beatbox must have been done on my luck But I'm ill till my final five months